let's start okay. with how you how you how you feeling how's it how's it going going good you, you know well right now here in new york it's well i'm in upstate new york it's hot and miserable and humid so i hate this time of year with the extreme heat and humidity of august so aside from that i'm doing good I'm, i was very excited to see um yesterday the video was being received really well um so i'm overall pleased with releasing another record i always consider it a a a blessing to be able to release another piece of new art and music and uh, I'm, i'm doing good you know just hanging in there like everyone else we've had a crazy we have a crazy world right now so yeah sure you know everything's a mess well, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're doing well, and uh, that's pleasing to hear. So, you're you're 51, I think, which is the same age as me. So, I'm yes. interested to know. Um, I would imagine that some of our earliest kind of music influences would probably cross over, but obviously, you're you're brought up in in Brooklyn. I'm over in in Wales in the UK. So, slightly different kind of uh, music that was happening around. The time that you were were forming your tastes what was the um the first kind of music that you got exposed to that made you want to be a musician uh black sabbath and ozzy osbourne oh so british bands <laughs> interesting oh, of course of course yeah. um yeah. i mean actually like the first actual piece of vinyl i had was like a 45 of the beatles yeah um yeah. and then again british uh so I, I at a young age I got exposed to hearing, you know I heard bands like you know kids you know kids playing Farner and Led Zeppelin of course, mm-hmm. uh, but Black Sabbath really drew me in. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. And what about um, early music? Uh, your early music talent because obviously you're a multi instrumentalist. What what came first? Was it the drums first? Guitar? Well, it was the drums, uh, because I, I, I really wanted an electric guitar first, but I didn't get it, and uh, my parents wouldn't get it for me. So uh, I finally convinced them to uh, buy me this little drum set, you know, really, you know, used, sparkle kind of kit. So it was like about 11, 10, 11. Mm-hmm. And so I started playing the drums, and of course I I, I loved the drums, and and I loved all the grooves and stuff, and and I had started getting into lessons and things, and I ended up you know I was playing in some local bands in the neighborhood, you know, trying to play covers and you know bands that a bunch of thirteen, fourteen year olds would sound like, you know, so um, it was the drums first. I got into then finally getting a bass. And a guitar later on when I actually was in typo negative because, you know, Peter heavily influenced me and I wanted to learn also how to play stringed instruments and play bass and play guitar. And yeah, so it was a little later on when I got that got into that stuff and started playing at, in, at you know, in the privacy of wherever I was. And it wasn't anything that was outgoing, but I was starting to, like, come up with ideas and learning how to write, you know, I guess, riffs. Mm-hmm. Um and so it progressed from there where when I was in Life of Agony and I it was the second album called Ugly where I got to basically almost on every song contribute music um, yeah. and, and riffs. 
So that was my first exposure of getting music ideas out and printed onto an album. And I really liked it. And I kept on going from there. Then there was like a point in my life where I took a big break from music due to other poor choices. And then, you know, in the early 2000s, resumed again writing music, but as a drummer. So I would write music for you know, projects that I was involved with, but I would play the drums in that project. And it didn't come till, you know, early 2009, where I came up with the idea of creating, you know, I came up with the name, a pale yeah. horse named Death. And I started recording music on my laptop and I started just singing out, coming up with melodies. And after dealing with so many uh, unsuccessful situations with other singers and other projects and things and how crazy some people can be i was like well you know i'm, I'm gonna write music that's gonna work with my ability and i, I never claimed to be some kind of professional singer or even professionally coached singer um i did at that time did get you know advice from um you know, keith caputo at that time yeah, who was a trained vocalist and and gave me a lot of pointers. So I took a lot of those pointers and stuck with stuff like that. Um, and it just progressed from there. Where like in anything, when you practice and do it over, and you throw yourself into the wolves and into the fire, you're you sink or swim, and you just gotta like get through it. And then once you start getting comfortable with that idea of being in the front and belting it out in front of people, and not <laughs> and you start worrying less and less about being rejected. Because that was my biggest heat, you know, battle. Yeah. I was always like, you know, even in the old days, I always was like, yeah, everyone's a bathroom singer. Everyone sounds good in the natural reverb <laughs> of a tiled bathroom. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it took a lot of, um, I guess, courage to get yeah. up in front of an audience when and. It was funny because I didn't even have like Paleo's Name Death was just a project idea where there wasn't even a band. And it, was, yeah. it was me, um, and then I I got together with my friend Matt Brown, and when he heard the stuff, he was like, "We got to do something with this," and he liked it a lot. So we became this little team, this duo, and we made the first and second record um, as again me as as an, a multi instrumentalist and like him and. Uh, other guitarists would do guitar solos. You know, first record was Bobby Hamble, yeah, guest yeah. appearance. Uh, second record was when Eddie Heedles came into the picture, so it would be Eddie and Matt or Bobby and Matt that did the guitar solos, but everything else I played, um, including bass, so uh, and, and and melody guitar and rhythm guitar and, and whatever, all that stuff. So I was asked um, at the time. I'm uh, the current agent that was handling um, Life of Agony's bookings was like, hey, do you, you want to do a show? Because um, I can get you on this show in New Jersey, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, OK, well, who is it? Well, you'd be opening up for Monster Magnet. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> I had six weeks. I wow. said, what's the show? He said, oh, it's 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 uh, six weeks away. I'm like, six weeks. I don't even have a band together. Yeah. I don't even have a band. And I had to like all of a sudden get into the idea of playing guitar, singing in front of people and i will say that that first show i it was pretty obvious i was nervous um but you have to you gotta walk on that bed of nails and get to the other side to 
mark it down as an experience and learn for the learn from the life lessons so and that's how it started but i kind of i also liked it and then as i got comfortable i really started enjoying um uh, you know in between all the doom and gloom and depression of the songs themselves i always liked provoking the audience making them laugh cracking some jokes bringing yeah. a little bit of a uh-huh. Like the Brook, Brooklyn twang into the environment, which everybody seems to love overseas, and 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 just crack jokes and 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 talk to people, you know, from the stage real quick, you know, and and I kind of started coming into my own with just being comfortable and just realizing that uh, that was one of the places where I could just be myself, and actually no one was judging me in a negative way. It was actually uh, they enjoyed my entertainment and that I was. Um, a funny guy you know um uh, so and we went from there little by little you know we did a tour here we did a tour there and, and, and it just like anything practice 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 so every time i did a show i was learning more and more and more about what not to do or to do in a live environment when you don't have the right sound or monitors or you can't hear yourself you you start developing these techniques through experience that even lessons can't even teach you. You just have to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, every time would always be a unique, uh, interesting moment on stage where it's okay. Well, how's it going to sound today on this stage? You know, and some nights would be great sounding and it would be easy. Then some nights were tougher sounding stages or um, monitor engineers that didn't really understand exactly what I was looking for. So it would be tough with communications maybe at times in, in foreign countries. But you, these are all learning experiences that hone you and make you a better all-around performer. Mm-hmm. Like go, mm-hmm. go with the punches, roll with it, because that's yeah. what you got to do. You can't be too serious where it's like you got to have it everything perfect. It's not going to be perfect. You just got to learn to go with it and just yeah. do the best you can. And, and 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 just keep in mind that people are seeing a different point of view from the other side. So everything you are going through, they don't know about. So and it, that's in a nutshell. Yeah, cool, cool. I was fortunate enough to see you at uh, the Damnation Festival that you played in Leeds um, a couple of oh, years wow. ago, um, yeah. which was which was quite a show. Um, from what you just said, no one would actually, having watched that show, have had a any thought that that was under a decade since you'd first stepped up to, to, to lead the band like that. So, um, <laughs> it came across very well. It. Yeah, Glad it was, it was, it. A, it's a, it's one of the, the, the highlights of, of that festival for me, because I thought it was just a, a brilliant show. Um, nice. Great. So, so obviously when the debut album came out, when hell will, and, and hell will follow me got the reception that it did. Cause it's, it's, it's a, it's a great, first album for any band but for, for you as well was that the justification that you did you feel that that was the kind of justification that you needed to continue the response or was that not an issue for you uh no definitely was a form of justification hearing fact that people were liking it and that um uh, some magazines were liking it and the interviewers were liking it and i was just kind of blown back because I was like, well, here I am. Some, you know, I was always behind the drum set. Nobody really mm. would see me. And then all of a sudden, here I am. I put out some music that I hear in my head, and I saw that people liked it, and then it started becoming some form of uh, something that they could relate to. And then I had no idea 
that die alone was going to strike such a chord uh, yeah. with people. And um, I felt really fortunate and glad that I actually went that route and put out a record. Again, I didn't know what was next. I didn't know, you know, and, and mind you, it is always a labor of love. I don't make a lot of money from it. Um, so uh, it was great to then have some kind of uh, validity to actually give it a shot with a second record, you know, and, and then we progressed to work on a second record. And yeah. and, and it was very, very uh, again, you know, with the amount of people that are out there trying and the amount of bands that we have more than I mean, every year it's like another million bands, you know, there's such so much yeah. competition. Mm. There's so many band names, so many titles, so much music. It's a thick, thick uh, soup of, of stuff to navigate to try to stand out a little bit. Um, so, again, I considered myself, here's this drummer that's known for being a drummer. I considered myself, uh, even to this day, fortunate in that, that people are, there's some undying support that really like and love what I do. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that, you know, me putting depression down on paper or me putting these dark thoughts on paper would receive such um, a response that, you know, people telling me that how the the music relates to them or the words relate to them and they take it into their own situation and it saves them or you know that's to me probably the greatest reward of all um yeah stories about how the songs touch people in a manner that helps them maybe uh, avoid disaster personal disaster or suicide shall we say you know yeah yeah absolutely i think it's it's an amazing thing music how it touches so many people in different ways but always seems to help people um we got this far without mentioning the pandemic but obviously it's it's kind of inevitable when we talk about about the new album and obviously you you've not long released the world becomes undone when the world actually locked down so you you were kind of um i suppose still in some respects trying to get that out of your system to a certain extent when you when you when you found yourself in a position of 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 the the pandemic so so where were you in terms of plans for the the new album when when the world went a bit upside down were you already looking at i'm assuming you were always writing but we were you already planning a new album at the time or is it something that's been kind of pushed a little bit because of the way the world has turned around I was I was it was around January of 2020 and I was having there was some internal issues in the band going on and I was like I ain't going anywhere right now and then I started hearing we started seeing on the news a little bit of this talk about the virus from China yeah and um, I was uh, already in my head thinking well you know I think I want to make another record I don't I don't think I want to wait a long time because again. <laughs> You know it, 50, you know, like I was uh, in 2020, I was approaching 50. Yeah, yeah. So to me, that was like, oh, boy, you know, we're at that. We're at the, you know, it's only downhill <laughs> after 50, you know. And yeah. um, so I said, I don't, I'm not going to sit around and be 55 when I put out another record. If I'm going to put out another record or write more music, I should I should do it in my spare time now. So I had already had like futzed with like some ideas, sketches, recording some parts that were like 
like loosely put together songs, like, you know, two parts, whatever, and uh, started sketching. And then as time went on, um, you know, here in New York, uh, the governor, I think it was right at the end of March, around March 17th or 18th, you know, I get a text from my wife, the city's, be, you know, the, uh, the state's being shut down. Yeah. Now, we don't, fortunately, we don't live in the city. And um, I haven't lived in the city in, in 11 years. So that was a good thing because we were away from the real center of shit. Hmm. Uh, but, but still, it was a statewide mandate where you only were allowed to, you know, go out to get the essentials. All the restaurants were closed. Everything was kind of sh- shut down. Yeah, um, yeah. Being that we were approaching, uh, I was sketching these ideas. At the same time, we were approaching. I knew in the back of my mind, I was like, "Wow, you know." And my wife brought it up too because she was there from the beginning with me when I did the first record. Um, she's, you know, coming up on ten years that SPV released first album, and I was like, "Wow, well, you know, it'd be cool to, you know, have some kind of commemoration to the word, to the title, you know, hell with the word hell." And, yeah, and um, that was already floating in my head, and I actually had the title like right at the very beginning, and I was like, well, you know, you know what everybody's going through with all these deaths going on in Italy and New York, and people losing their jobs or getting shut down from their jobs, and kids, including my kids, being shut down from school, everybody cooped up in a house for months on end. Um, I was like, everyone's experiencing some form of hell on earth in one way or another. Indeed, and, yeah. You know, um, people were telling me, like, you know, you had some kind of prophetic vision the year before saying, you know, calling your album when the world becomes undone. Because a (laughs) year later, the fucking world fell apart. And uh, I said, well, you know, hell on earth. You know, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit typical. It's predictable. Uh, A nine year old could come up with this title. And so I, (laughs) I felt let's, you know, let's see what we can do here. And I said, well, let me, let's, let's, you know, me being always interested in always the dark things and biblical things and title. I said, well, let's, let's look into Latin. Let's see, let's do some phrases in Latin. Yeah. So I did a couple of phrases and, but the phrase, the, you know, I did hell on earth. Well, you know, hell on earth, uh, you know, it translated came to infernum in terror and the way it looked spelt out looked so evil to me and dark and Mm -hmm. just provoked such curiosity of the dark side and misery and and it just rang a bell and it just sounded so much more um intelligent and just more clever um and yet it meant the same and so here was my commemoration of the 10-year anniversary and so that kind of gave the fuel of okay well this is the title i think you know, I, I I said on the on on the last few years, I've been saying I wanted to lean even more towards darker subject matter, darker mm-hmm. visual, um, and that's kind of where I leaned towards. And, and I kind of kind of wrote a bu- I came up with a bunch of sketches, not even like lyrics. I had some random ideas and titles and stuff, but I'm the kind of writer that doesn't force myself to sit there for weeks on ends forcing to write like you know like some guys are yeah. like well we gotta sit down and we gotta hunker down and write a record right now and they're gonna force a freaking giant piece of shit out of their ass because i am a true believer and i've i know this from experience from all the bands i've been in 
Mm. Um, when you force, when you sit there in, in a situation and you force riffs and ideas and trying to make stuff on, like it never comes out as good. It really has to just be a natural thing that just happens when it happens. So I had a bunch of sketches, but then I walked away. I got involved in one of my other projects with a muscle car that I had gotten. I spent the whole summer working on this car. Didn't mm. pick up. I didn't pick up the guitar for um, three, four months. Mm-hmm. And I just walked away. You know, I was like, I walk away. I'll come back to it. I know it'll it'll. And then, sure enough, then in September, October, the light bulb went back on in my head because something something to do with the winter and the fall that really inspired me to write. And yeah. um, it was like basically from October to November, it was like, boom, you know, like four songs got done and came out of me. And then all the soundscape ideas started coming to me. And then all the lyrics started coming to me as I would listen to the material. So I was basically writing and recording, writing and recording, recording as a, as a long session, the whole process. And I had contacted um, SPV, um, my A&R guy around November, and I said, hey, look, I've been working on material. I think I want to put out another record soon. Mm-hmm. And I said, if I, what would be an ideal delivery date for you? And he told me, well, April 1st. I'm like, OK, I think I can do that. And actually, I delivered ahead of schedule because I was done with vocals and everything by the early March. I started, we started mastering with um, Mo or Apple Bauman, and, and, and he was in L.A. He mastered the record. So by the end of March, I sent the record over to uh, SPV Long Branch Records. And, um, you know, at the same time, the beautiful part was over the winter. I, I hooked up with a new artist uh, named Kelvin Duran in, in England. I'm, I'm sorry, Ireland. Dublin, mm-hmm. Ireland, and that was another blessing in disguise because I I did go to the artist that did the first three album co- covers, but for some reason they declined, and I was like, okay, okay. you want to decline? That's fine. I kind of was feeling like maybe in the back of my mind it was time for a change anyway, but I still wanted to give the first option to that to that artist since they had done three albums with me, but I also was getting a little tired of the similar look. And colors. So I wanted to change things up. I was like, enough's enough with the horse on the cover or the horse head. Everyone knows it's a fucking horse. You know, like, I need something fresh. I need something different. And so when Kelvin heard the title, he went off sketching and he got so inspired by the title that he started sending me rough sketches of the cover. And I was, I sat on it for a couple of days and I was like, this is fucking great. I was like, you know what? This is going to awesome um i really like the idea of having this kind of like somewhat biblical figure yet demonic type of figure you yeah. know with like the he's holding a book which could be like a bible or something but it has mm-hmm. a little horse shield on it he did and at the same time he was holding a cross but it was upside down but it had the horseshoe on the other end yeah and and um it had like he had like these like villager apostle looking characters around him some, some some scared, some in awe and enamored by the by the by the being, and I just you know was like, oh, this is this is cool. It's different. It's fresh colors, and then all these other things got incorporated into the rest of the layout, which was great, and um, it, it turned into a great working situation 
that I had with him and I, and I, he did a fantastic job and he really just gelled with the whole, with all the ideas really well. And, and, um, it all happened honestly in, in a year's time. And, um, all the material is in my eyes, super fresh, super, you know, like in the now, in the present, uh, the other thing that I did was I did change. I actually produced, engineered, and recorded the album myself, uh, completely myself, because I was dissatisfied with the previous album, with the production, yeah. where I shared the record, the mixing duties. I let somebody else mix and handle some uh, handle the engineering duties, um, but I was dissatisfied with it, and uh, I, that was one of the things that bothered me about that record. Um, as well as me being a little bit in a rush at that time. And I had brought out like material that was just sitting on my drive for years. And so that ended up kind of like, I guess maybe not being up to par the way I like things. So, so to me, this record was kind of me uh, making it up to myself as an artist of, of, of stepping everything up again and, and bringing it up to where we need to be level wise and sound wise. And, and, um, and and that's how it, it all came to fruition. The beautiful part is, is because I'm a multi-instrumentalist and I do everything on the records, the pandemic didn't hinder me from making the record because the studio was over my garage in my house and I just would go to town at my own convenience whenever I had the time. Because, again, I'm a father with three kids and I have a wife and I have all these uh, I have this all this property I have to take. I have a lot of responsibilities. Yeah, I don't yeah. just sit there playing guitar, smoking weed all day. I wish I could, but <laughs> I don't smoke weed anymore either. You know, so yeah. uh, those days are kind of done. It's like time, yeah. time to put on big boy pants. You know, everyone thinks I'm living in some kind of some rock, rock and roll, sex, drugs, and rock and roll world. No, <laughs> it, I'm not. You know, it's it's you know, I'm daddy and I'm uh, I'm a husband yeah. and I, I love working on cars and I love working on my projects. I have I have to be. Um, involved in many different things because I know how to do a lot of things, and I consider myself actually at one of the last of the Renaissance men in the, in this <laughs> country over here because most younger guys don't know how to do shit. Yeah, and yeah. I do everything. I, I'm the plumber, the electrician, the mechanic. I'm the landscaper. I can I can do a lot of things, and I've always. Uh, liked it, it, it i always was in this run this uh phonetic pace of justifying my existence on this planet like, like if i sit around like some people do it's like for me it's like idle hands is the devil's work i'm only going to get in trouble if i sit around you know <laughs> i gotta keep my mind busy otherwise i'm going to dwell into bad stuff and and i'm going to want to you know look for trouble or something i don't know i just get i get fidgety and bored and I, I so i keep myself busy constantly in restoration projects or you know and then there's that moment where i'll pick up the guitar and boom song falls right out of me i mean shards of glass i wrote it in literally five minutes it's just like with the song of the first record uh when the crows descend upon you same thing happened and that's how yeah. i know oh this is a great song when they fall out like that it's it's just an incredible experience. There's no drug that can give you that feeling of euphoria, of just knowing on the spot. I just came up with a great verse and chorus. Yeah. And all I got to do is round this up, and we've got a great, a really good song. 
and and I love that, and that's why I feel it's important to not force any ideas. You got to walk, know how to walk away, even if it takes months at a time. Just walk away, and 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 then when you are, it's a mood thing for me. So if I'm in that mood and I happen to pick up the guitar at the right time at the perfect time, all, all of a sudden you know we have things brewing again. So believe it or not, I actually. Just recently, futzed around with a sketch that I've been going to and coming back to in in, in my 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 workshop in my recording workshop here. Um, I already have my mind on wanting to uh, over the winter laying out the next the next map because uh-huh. I feel like as I get older, I just want to try to if I can afford the time to put the time into it to put out as much music as possible because. Even though we have this pandemic, like, I'll be honest, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. There's bands out there that are like hopeful, they keep on announcing tours, and then two weeks later, they cancel them. Yeah. We have all this bullshit restrictions and day-to-day changes with this pandemic and virus, and then you have all these different variants. And to be honest with you, I think it's just all, you know, they're all... Big governments running with it because they just found the perfect opportunity to control everybody globally. Yeah, yeah. It's a global reset, and they don't have to lift one gun or rifle or military action to control millions of people now. Now all they got to say is, we've got a new fucking variant, so uh, put your mask on, stay home, shut up, do what we tell you. Australia's doing it right now. Look at all the rioting now that they're dealing with Mm. because, you know— and then mm-hmm. I just, you know, New Zealand, they had one guy, COVID positive, and they shut the whole country down instantly. Yeah. Um, it's understandable everyone's terrified of this situation. I don't know why the world is not, don't unite and hold China responsible, because honestly, their negligence is what caused this. So, you know, and then they allowed it to spread around the way it did. They didn't warn them. Nobody. They didn't tell nobody. They just let people fly to Europe, from Europe to America, and, and then, mm. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I really, it pisses me off. Yeah. And they're really taking advantage of people, thinking everyone is really stupid because you know they feed all the people are so wrapped up in social media, and, and social media is really controlling people and, and feeding people so much bullshit, and so a lot of dumb people believe it. And they know that, and that's why government is hand-in-hand with social media, and they all work together because they found the new – just this new new way of, 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 of feeding weak minds with all this bullshit. Yeah. They yeah, just yeah. outright lie to our faces. It's outright – what's going on in Afghanistan is outright deceiving, freaking lied to day to day. I, I, over here in America, we're being lied to every day, and it's just um, yeah, that's got yeah. me got me pretty irate. But I try yeah. not to mix the two. I don't. I try not to mix music and sure. politics. So, but but um, despite the if we are not able to get out anytime soon, or if it takes a a year or two years, that's fine. I feel the best thing I can do, what I, which they can't stop me from doing, not even. The, government is bright music and um i feel that at least the fans if they can't see the band anytime soon then you know there's music and yeah, this yeah, new yeah. record i feel is going to hold people uh fill that void for a while 
Um, and maybe I, in a year from now, I can have another one out. Who knows? We'll, well see. That, having, having spent the last couple of days uh, listening to the album, I, I must say that uh, from my point of view, it's it's certainly, I think you acknowledged it's a, it's um, a step forward from the from the last one. Not that the last one was was a poor record by any stretch, but I know that you were unhappy with it. But this one certainly is up another level, and it's I still need to spend some time to to, to really get deep with it. But it's it's uh, it's sounding really good to me. So I think um, people people should be really excited and will be very impressed with it when it comes out. Uh, I've had quite a few fans write to me just from hearing the the first single. Yeah, that were released, like you know, writing to me or commenting, saying, "Oh, this this sounds way better. The last record didn't sound as good." Um, yeah. Hey, you know, this happens with a lot of bands. You go from record to record, and sometimes things change. Or, uh, you know, when it was me and Matt Brown doing the first two records, it was like honestly, it was the perfect production team that we had. And, yeah. But then, you know, Matt, you know, Matt, who I still speak to every now and then, you know, he needed to move on in life. He had goals. He wanted to, you know, he, he wanted to get a house. He wanted to just, you know, get change some things in his life that, you know, being in a band, you know, everyone has this illusion, you know, but when you're in a band, you're denying yourself a lot of other things in life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people have this illusion like it's always the greatest thing on earth, but you're, you're, you know, youth. You want to make a band successful, you got to spend a lot of time away from your family. You got to spend a lot of time away from the people you love. And if you have children, you're not going to see them grow. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, everyone's like constantly, they want you to tour, they want you to tour. But when you're touring, you know, when you come and play for them, you're only taking one night out. You know, they're only losing one, one night of their life to come see you. But for you to do this tour, you're losing six weeks or four weeks out of your life not seeing your kids. And they don't yeah. make that correlation. People don't make that correlation. They just think they're seeing you that one time in London when you when you're when you're on the road. And then they just mm-hmm. go back home and go back to their loved ones and they go back to their lives and whatever. But you're out there for months or weeks and yeah. you're going through all the grueling mishaps that happen on the road and uh, it is not glamorous. It's 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 it is it is not you know it, again it's a labor. Love you really gotta love what you're doing to put up with all the bullshit that comes mm-hmm. along with it because uh, you, sometimes you have unreliable uh, promoters or people working for you that don't do the right thing and you show up and you realize you're, you're you know you're having a fucked show yeah you know yeah. so um, after traveling eight hours or nine hours to get to that show it's a fucked show and you're like well yeah. so everything is uh, the beautiful thing is is though you know music new creating music is is probably the best drug in the world um for me and um i know that's not going anywhere for a while unless i drop dead (laughs) so i know you've got another uh, interview cell so i'll I'll wrap it up now i just wanted to to final question really is um Obviously, with everything that you do, do you get opportunity to listen to much new music yourself? Do you have a keen ear for what's out there, or do you focus on? I I don't really follow a lot of this new stuff that's going on. I did. I will say this: I did get into like three years ago. I got into a couple of new, uh, a couple of doom bands that I really like a lot, and um, I'm very stingy when it comes to bringing in a new band 
and into my into my listening world because I tend to want to if I am going to listen to music I'll listen to the old stuff you know yeah. um, uh, or whatever it is Led Zeppelin Black Sabbath Hendrix you know all that kind of stuff uh, be <laughs> be honest with you uh, especially in this chaotic life I don't listen all the time to as much music as I should. Uh, or I'd like to at times because mm-hmm. I'm just always busy running around. It's never a good time to blast music when you got kids. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I got into a few years ago. I, I, I um, one band, Acid King. Yeah. From uh, California. I was actually on tour, and I think it was in a venue in Germany, and I heard this cool music emanating from the kitchen of the venue, and I, I was like, man, that sounds good. And I walked over, and it was like a, a, a cook, a chef, you know, preparing, I guess, the dinner for the bands mm-hmm. that evening. And I was like, dude, I was like, what is this that you're listening to? And he's like, oh, man, this is Acid King, you know. And, and he showed me the one of the record covers and this and that. And uh, it was like a three-piece band with a female bassist singer. And I was like, well, this is really cool. And when I got home, I got a couple of their records off the uh, on the iTunes to check them mm-hmm. out, and I liked them right away a lot. Then at the same time, because I stumbled upon them, then I actually threw a suggestion on on the on the internet. I checked out Windhand, who are out of Virginia, and yeah, um, yeah. from the first track i heard of them i was i mean i was instantly i fell in love because again here's this real heavy heavy doom riff stuff with a really good vocalist singing really good melodies a female vocalist singing really good melodies over that heavy heavy stuff and that's probably like my favorite combination when you can have really good melodies and melodic material over really heavy parts and i went out and over the years, I got every record. I got mm-hmm. like four albums from them. So a lot of times when I do put on some music, I'll actually put them on just yeah. to like change things up. And so that's really the best I can offer as far as new music that I've gotten into. Um, I, you know, these newer bands, like this crazy metal that's going on, I'm not really a fan of. I'm not really a fan of like a lot of this heavy blast beat stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not... I'm just not into it, you know. I'm into yeah. I'm into heavy groove, deep mm-hmm. groove, solid rock, that kind of vibe. Oh, you know. All good. All good. Yeah. All good. Sal, it's been an absolute honor to to have a chat with someone who's who's been in so many amazing bands and who have um, been part of my life for a long time. And it's been a real privilege to to have a chat with you. I feel that we could we could talk a lot more, but you have commitments and uh, we all have <laughs> things to do. So. Um, I'll just wish you wish you luck, which I don't think you'll need with this with this cracking new album, and um, hopefully speak to you again. Um, and maybe in the future we'll get to see you back over on these shores playing some uh, of the. I, I love playing album. the UK, so well, I really hope so too. You know, I'd right. love to come back in a, in a few years or in a year and a half. Yeah. Hopefully, when things subside, uh, because they made it very complicated now with Brexit. And yeah, of course. Yeah. Brexit has made touring Europe very expensive now because you need mm-hmm. two sets of gear and transport. And yeah. and uh, also um, this situation with flying where you have to get a, a COVID test literally the 
the 24 hours before you fly. They've, they've, it's everything's complicated right now. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully this, hopefully it subsides. But I wish you uh, uh, a lot of safe, you know, be safe. And I really appreciate you taking the time out and asking me these questions. Thanks for listening. Make sure you keep up to date with future episodes by subscribing to our channels. For more information on this podcast, or for all the latest music news, reviews, interviews and more, head over to our website, www.theraziseedge.rocks.